You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. First time today, they're going to let Odell Beckham Jr. look to throw it. He's done it once. He's got a man wide open. It's caught for the touchdown. The second touchdown pass of the year from Beckham. He hits Russell Shepard, and the Giants have the lead. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Twice in one week, Grump. Oh my God! Jeez. Lucky bastards. <laughs> well, we 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 kind of had a lot to talk about as we sort of went through things, and we decided that a whole episode about how sports and more particularly football season is going to be impacted by the coronavirus needed its own episode because it's its own animal and its own discussion. But that doesn't mean that we can't go over the draft tackles this year. Yes, we're trying to make life as normal as possible for everybody. So, you know, unless for some reason they cancel the draft, and I really do not believe they will do that, uh, we need to prepare for it. And we need Mm -hmm. to prepare ourselves and prepare you for what, is reasonable expectations of what we should be looking for in the draft. So we will continue today. And what are we talking about today, Grump? Oh, today is going to be tackles of the future. <laughs> uh, you know, probably the most important position on uh, on the offense that's left right now. Um, and it's probably the position that was complained about the most last year on the line, right? That's correct. Constant, constant bitching and moaning about guys that people felt were overpaid to begin with and were not performing up to said contracts without thinking about the fact that people get injured. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the most important thing here, um, and it's it's something that I, I think is is probably the the target area for the for the Giants in early on in the draft is offensive tackles. I mean, I, I know that. A lot of Giants Twitter had, um, you know, <laughs> had to had to be restrained from probably attacking Nate Solder at some point last year. Um, and it, you know, if if we start talking about it too much, it might have to be restrained again. So this is an important spot. It's an important spot in this draft, particularly because there are uh, some big name tackles in here, and the, the Giants are in a position to take some of them. So this is this is an important conversation. But but it's important to know that currently the Giants' situation at tackle is Nate Solder, Nick Gates, Cameron Fleming, and Chad Slade. So not a, a ringing endorsement of the current state of the offensive tackles. You know, the first thing, you know, the Nate Solder hate, it's amazing how nobody of those people that hate him so much realizes the fact that he played not healthy last year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's such a major piece of this whole thing. It's like they, they, they thought we overspent for him in the beginning, and then all of a sudden he didn't play well last year, even though he played well his first year here. You know, to drop off that quickly – you have to kind of look underneath the covers and see what's going on. And he was hurt last year too. I mean, even if he played well, I still think it's a, uh, it's a position where you really have to think about using, if you have the opportunity to get an elite left tackle, you get him mm. and you, because right tackle is a problem on this team as well. And you can slide him over. The guy's not any getting any younger. He's not getting any cheaper, but it gives you options to do things. So, um, you know, there's a lot – there's two different camps, obviously, about the draft. The 
we need a pass rusher or we need an offensive tackle. And we've said this, you harp on this all the time, and you're absolutely right that you draft the player, not the position. Correct. Now, my question before, you know, having said that, if you are Dave Gettleman and you rate the best edge rusher and the best left tackle exactly the same on your big board, who are you picking? So there, there's one more caveat in that, and that's how big is the drop-off from that guy to the next guy at that position? How well do you like the number two? Do you have a shot at the number two guy, etc.? But let's just, for the sake of argument, say... That say the, you can't. Yeah, yeah say the drop-off is ex, exponential. Yeah, because you're, talk, you're talking about a premium position. So like right. the odds of the second-best guy being available, mm-hmm. left tackle or edge rusher is not going to be there. So you're right. right. Let's just assume that... It's these guys or, you know, that's that. It's tough for me because I think the three most important positions in football are quarterback, tackle, and pass rusher. If I, in, in, in no order. You know, I think they're all the most important. So when you put two of the most important in there, um, I have to go tackle. And there's, there's two reasons why. The first reason is we've already got our franchise quarterback. Now you protect him. Okay, we assume that we have a franchise quarterback, but if you want to give him a fair shot, or if he's not the franchise quarterback, you're going to have he's to get fran- one anyway. You um, know, franchise quarterback does not necessarily mean elite first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I think people now all of a sudden have kind of taken that term and turned it into something different. Franchise quarterback is the guy you are building your franchise around for mm-hmm. the next potentially ten years. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but there are. No, there are more guys that have been around for six, seven, eight, nine years that are just serviceable, pretty decent quarterbacks than those elite guys. So we have our franchise quarterback. This is the guy we're going to have at a minimum through, you know, the end of his rookie deal. Right. That's a franchise quarterback in my book. So, so protecting him from injury and allowing to get the most of his potential becomes your number one concern. Now, you know, you could make an argument that the best way to maximize his potential is to get him some weapons. I would disagree with that. I think let him become a game manager and let the game slow down for him by giving him a clean pocket helps more and you can always buy weapons, wide receivers and free agency, you know, etc. So, that's reason number 1 why I picked tackle. Reason number 2, and this is one that I think might be slightly more controversial than that cuz I think it's hard to argue against protecting your franchise, but um it's pretty simple, and, and it's an old adage and a cliche, which I usually hate, but the best <laughs> defense is a good offense. And the reason I say that, and this, this is somebody who enjoys watching a good defense play. I really do. Um, but it just comes down to something very simple. Defenses get worn out. Defenses thrive when they can play with a lead. Now, if your offense is three and outing every time they go up there because your quarterback gets sacked three times, your defense is out on the field for 45 minutes, and it doesn't matter how good they are. They can't rush the passer because now they're playing from behind 17-0. The Dallas Cowboys are just handing the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott. And you can't stop them. It doesn't even matter because every time you do stop them and they punt the offense three and outs, and then you go back out there again. And we've seen this over the time. We have evidence of this, of, of Giants teams with, with bad offenses and decent defenses and good players even in 2016, a team that had a playoff run was a struggling offense with a bad offensive coordinator. And and 
they had a good defense playing at a high level where they spent all that money in in free agency with re-signing Jason Pierre-Paul, with getting Olivier Vernon, getting Janoris Jenkins, buying snacks. I mean, these were big pieces to that puzzle that made that defense play really well, and it still didn't matter because, you know, whatever, they made it into the playoffs, but they were not a real threat to the Super Bowl. Nobody felt like they were contending that year. Um, you know, all year you and I were complaining about how pitiful the offense was, and it was always one big play by Beckham that made them win games. You know, and, and that's just not an efficient offense. An efficient offense can really put up points. And if you're putting up 30 to 35 points a game, a decent defense can play at its highest level consistently throughout a game. And that's why I would pick tackle over edge rusher if they were the same level of talent. You almost read. If I had a script in front of me, you almost read exactly what I would have written down. I mean, I mean, to me, this game, the NFL, has evolved into, you know, the first team that scores a thousand points. That that's that's really what it is now. You know, and having a good defense is is great, but you know, I'll take I'll take the points any day. Uh, An elite pass rusher. How many? plays a game does he truly impact as opposed to a an elite left tackle is involved in every play of the game Mm. he's you know he's uh setting the edge for a run play he's giving your quarterback protection he's doing all of these things that are you know it's 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 the the bedrock of an offense and especially the way you know in the early stages of the daniel jones era it's going to be more ball control. It's going to rely on Saquon Barkley doing things out of the backfield. It's going to rely on, you know, keeping him above, you know, on his feet. And I think now is the time when Daniel Jones is cheap. He's on a rookie contract. Your left tackle on a rookie contract allows you to build other parts of your team that need to be built. The replacement cost of a left tackle is so much more than it is for an edge guy. I mean, look at the numbers that were kind of thrown around for what Javian Clowney wanted. Never got, but wanted. Right about the same about like what Nate Solder got. And everybody was pissed off about that signing because of the money and all that stuff too. So it's just, they're in a unique position now where they can have you know, the two cornerstones of their offense, along with Barkley, three guys... On rookie deals. That allows you to do a lot of other things and shore up a lot of other spots. I mean, my guess would be, you know, I'm hoping that the progression of this team is that, you know, we see a jump in wins to a point where they're not, you know, they're not a playoff team, but they are at least respectable. And the money that's spent next year will be more not just filling holes in the roster, but more difference makers. And you can't do that if you have all your money locked up. And I had to spend X amount to, you know, backfill Nate Solder with a, another another tackle on the open market. I, 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 to me, it's 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 a no-brainer that you, if all things are equal. Now we don't know what Gettleman's big board is and how he ranks anybody, but, and we're also saying I think we're both in agreement too that we are still picking the best player of those. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I try my best, but I'm no talent evaluator. So, if if the the pick is Chase Young and not Andrew Thomas, who we're about to go over, 
you know, and, and Dave Gettleman goes up and explains by saying Chase Young was the top of our board, then I, I will, you know, just agree. I mean, he's got a whole group of seasoned scouts that say that. Um, I think enough people make that argument. Uh, I might even make that argument myself. You know, I'll agree with that, you know. Look, I'm, we're drafting we're drafting fourth yeah. as of now. Unless You'd we hope they were now. not getting any bad player. I mean, this is, yeah, even like with the Daniel Jones pick at nine, which that felt like a reach to a lot of people and everything, that's different. When you're at four and you pretty much know who's going to be picked ahead of you, mm-hmm. you're taking, you know, he has his pick of the entire board of who he wants. Yeah, especially because we're assuming we're not picking a quarterback. Right. I mean, and and also assuming that it's not a, a out-of-nowhere pick, the drop-off from his pick to the guy right below it is not going to be that much of a difference from a talent perspective that people – that nobody should – you should not be super pissed off if you are hoping we get an edge rusher and we get an offensive tackle or vice versa. You are going to get either the best edge guy or the best tackle in this draft because we, we're pretty certain – well – you're going to get the second best edge rusher. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 hard to tell right now. Right, right, right. We don't know the final order. We know who's going to trade There are trade, trade scenarios. Yeah, exactly. We don't know if we're going to trade down. But you understand my point. Yeah. Is that you are not – it's not going to be a pick that's going to make you scratch your head. Why this guy? It's going to be an elite player. So stop with making the videos now about you know how pissed off you're going to be about something. Because they're both they're both positions that need to be addressed on this team. Yeah, and and there are four tackles right now that I think are are swirling around in terms of who people think is the best of the bunch. So um, I'm going to give you two in the order I think that they're the best, and you know who the hell am I? But whatever, it's my show. So um, <laughs> the the best tackle in my opinion in this draft class is Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And I know that the Cranky fan knows who he is because I thought he did really well against Florida, which had a good defense and a good group of pass rushers. Um, I, I think he is the one guy in this draft class that is a true left tackle. Um, he ha- of, of these four, I guess I should say. Um, he has great footwork. He keeps his defender in front of him, and he has good hand-fighting ability. I think without a doubt he's the best run-blocking tackle in this class. There's a good running team in general with Georgia over the years. I think he plays pretty smart. He does have some knocks on him with, with speed rushers. I think it's been exaggerated. I think some of that can get a little bit cleaned up as well, and I think some of it can be worked around. I don't think that he is Tyron Smith. But I do think that he has the potential to be a Pro Bowl left tackle, in my opinion. Um, I thought he played very well against Florida and LSU, and I think he might have had a tough time against Auburn. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you are a offensive or defense line in the SEC, you are going against a lot of guys that are going to be, you know... NFL players. Fringe NFL players, guys who will be, you know, either drafted or invited to training camps at least... You know, you're not going to see many guys that are just can't make an XFL roster. So you have a pretty good sense of how these guys, you know, could potentially pan out over their future. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of talent this year watching Florida games in the in the SEC and even, you know, other teams that they played outside the SEC. And uh, Georgia's offensive line was fantastic this year. I mean, they, you know, they. George's problem on, on offense this year, they had no receivers. Hmm. 
Um, well, was, somebody got big, hurt, right, in, against the yeah. LSU. One, one guy, uh, one receiver got hurt. One guy got suspended. They were pretty. They had a lot of turnover from the previous year, and um, so they they struggled a little bit at times. But they beat Florida because on third down they were able to give their quarterback all day to throw and was able to pick apart, like you said, a a very good pass rush and a pretty good secondary as well. Um. I would have no problem. I mean, I hate everybody from Georgia, but, you know, the Giants have had a lot of guys in Georgia over the years, and I've kind of held my nose and accepted it. Again, if we have the fourth pick and they take him, I would be very happy if they did. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he is the cleanest of this bunch. Um, Again, like I said, I don't think that he's going to be Tyron Smith, but I do think that he'll be very good. I think – if need be, also, if he needs to start on the right side, I think he'd be fine there as well. Um, That's a really good point you made that if you're drafting your left tackle of the future, he doesn't have to start off week one, year one, as your left tackle. Correct. You know, especially this is going to be a crazy offseason like we've, we've mentioned, you know, that uh, not going to get that rookie camp, not going to get that mini camp, not going to get those OTAs. May not get an off season. May not get a training camp that that we're accustomed to. And you know, you want to get him on the field. You want him to get him the reps. And you know, maybe Nate Solder this year is healthy and plays ninety percent of what he played in two thousand eighteen. So I, you know, think outside the box a little bit when you're kind of thinking about, oh, he's going to play right away at this something. It's uh. You have years on his rookie deal, and we're not ready to make the playoffs just yet where you need to have him as your lockdown left tackle just yet. So, Right. What I'm saying is that uh, Andrew Thomas did start his freshman year at right tackle. So I, his ability to swing, the fundamentals of it, uh, I think, are well within his capabilities to transition to the next level. He can start there, get the speed of the game down, learn the more complex offenses that the NFL runs, and then make his way to the left side if need be. You know that's fine. Not all guys can do that. They don't have that ability to just switch the the fundamentals in their head from left to right. It's not easy, apparently. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the right side of the line, Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama, to me, is the second cleanest prospect in this. Now, while he did play the right side at Alabama, that is the blind side for Tua. So, you know, th- that highlights the it, it underscores the importance of that right side there um you know in today's NFL I do think that tackles are a little bit closer than they used to be in like the LT era I guess um mm-hmm. quarterbacks are trained to kind of have that internal clock a little bit more now but still you know being able to see something coming at you gives you a benefit versus just kind of guessing and protecting the blind side is important. So he, he protected to his blind side. And I think that he plays with some pretty good leverage, especially in the ground game. Uh, he doesn't have as much strength as Andrew Thomas. I don't think, but he does have good footwork. He keeps his feet moving. And, um, I think that his fundamentals are good enough that he could end up playing left tackle. But even if he can't, I think he would be such a good right tackle that it allows you to, figure this stuff out you know, roster-wise in the coming years. Because remember, you do still have Nate Solder under contract. You know, you have time to, to figure that out. Now, at four, probably not. But, you know, further down, if the, if the trade down is a scenario, it's important to know these things. 
Yeah, you just uh, you just stole my question. I was going to ask you, you know, are you taking a a right tackle and b him that high at four? But I guess. Well, I mean, no. like I said, you, you take him with the hope that he can become a left tackle. But if he stays as a shutdown right tackle, you didn't lose anything. You got a starter and, and a shut a shutdown starter at a position. You still won. Now he didn't turn out to be your left tackle, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I don't really know. I mean, that it's I don't know. There's not really like a brilliant comparison for any other position, I guess. But you know. Yeah, I don't have any other comparison. Just it's really another way to put it. Um yeah. But I mean, you you've seen Alabama as well. I mean, year after year, their offensive line is among the best in the in the nation. Alabama and Georgia, they they are on a their own plane right now for recruiting and that recruiting the flashy guys are the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and everything, but you just look. You want to talk about hog mollies? Yeah. Those teams have them. They just have they got five star guys just waiting their turn, and they're just they're redshirting a year, and they're getting bigger, and they're getting stronger, and that's why they are, you know, they are what they are right now, and that's something that schools like, you know, Florida have to get to that level where they can recruit consistently the elite talent on the line. They're getting there, but they're not there yet, and those two teams are there. Now, for me, this is sort of a distant third, and I, I don't understand why it's not that way for other people, but Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, you know, he played right tackle. He's not playing a blindside. To his credit, he's playing in an offense that sucked before a quarterback that sucked, you know, in, in comparison to Thomas and, and Wills. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know why what, what people see in Tristan Wirfs that push him way up to that top 10 area. I, I don't see it because, you know, he does have good footwork. He's got some good anchor in his pass set. I, I think a lot of his game benefited by a more quick strike offense, a lot more slants and, and screens and things that kind of don't put his mechanics on display for full seven, nine step dropbacks and things like that. That will happen at the next level. Um, you know, and for all this talk about him being a bull, I didn't see him being a bull in, in the ground game. You know, as you would expect from these Big Ten schools like the Wisconsin's and Iowa and stuff like that, we usually see these linemen that are just straight off of a farm and they've got that natural <laughs> strength to them and, you know, they push people around. I, I don't see that with him really. And, and, you know, I think he was especially exposed when he played against Michigan. Too often he allows the contact to come to him and it lets defenders get their hands on into his chest and they're able to push him away. And then also when he gets flustered, he can tend to lower his head and lunge a little bit. And if that sounds familiar to any of you, that's because you're probably thinking of Eric Flowers who did the same thing. And what's truly baffling to me is the people who don't think that Andrew Thomas is worth the high pick because he struggles with speed rushers is that Tristan Wirfs does also. So to me, Wirfs doesn't look like a left tackle. He could be a right tackle. There are people even saying that he might just be a guard. You know, the most adamant, the people I've noticed on Twitter, the ones that are most adamant against people is like this. They love, they they overvalue the relative weaknesses of someone as opposed to what their strengths are. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I don't think that's what a, you know, I don't know, does a GM or a you know, director of player personnel or a head scout, do they, 
how much they weight those negatives and to say, you know, what's the, what's the total package. And I think what everybody, like all the, uh, the Twitter GMs out there, I think that they, they find something they don't like and that all of a sudden is a disqualifier. And I don't think that's the way it works. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And I, I think that real GMs and real scouts, uh, you know, people who are employed by teams and whose, whose jobs depend on their scouting ability, not, not the Mel Kuypers of the world who's going to have his job with the ESPN forever, no matter how often he's right or wrong, you know, those guys, they, they end up picking what they pick. They are not influenced by the Twitter crowd or, or Mel Kuyper or anything like that. You know, their job depends on reporting accurately and they're going to do that. So they're not, you know, when when the pick comes in and it's Daniel Jones and the, the idiots of the universe are, are falling to their knees in front of their TV and screaming to the heavens, why? Uh, you know, then week three when he wins his debut game against Tampa Bay, those scouts are like, these are all the things that we saw about him. You know, not to be hyperbolic, but just, you know, just saying. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the fourth guy in this mix is kind of interesting because it's it's Mackay Becton from Louisville. Um, and he had some insanity of a combine. And, and he's, on top of that, gi- like gigantic. Um, what the hell is he? He's like 6'7 or some crazy number? Yeah. 6'7 and 350 pounds and he moves like a tiger. Uh, you know, and that's great. Um, and I would say that he has a really high s- ceiling. But it's really hard to watch his tape that shows you what he's capable of because he came from a gimmicky pass offense at Louisville. And I think on the few pass dropbacks that you were able to see, the tape was a little bit mixed. So it's really hard for me to judge. And what I come away with with that is that is this team right now in a position to draft somebody with high upside that also could just totally bust? And I think not. I think that yeah. that, that becomes if Mackay Becton, you know, plummets into the third round, then we're talking about something different. But where he's being projected now, I just can't see pulling the trigger on that much shot in the dark. This team, for as high as they're picking, has to minimize that downside risk that that pick is a bust. It's, it's as simple as that, you know. You know. Would we like that fourth pick to be a Hall of Famer in 15 years and be a lifelong giant? Absolutely. And, uh, of course. But that is not important to me is having a Eric Flowers type complete whiff at this pick. Because hopefully this is as high as the Giants are going to pick for the next generation. You know, We don't think this team will be picking in the top five. You know, we're expecting some incremental increases to get better and better. So they have to nail this pick. And, you know, it's not the time or the place to get a project. And I I don't think they will, honestly. Yeah. I I don't think that Dave Gettleman is much of a project guy. I think he's more of a, I've seen it. I've seen what he can do. He's going to do it. And and I think – you know, he ends up getting those guys later on. You know, I think the Ryan Connollys of the world get knocked down because, you know, maybe he's not as fast and athletic as your other middle linebackers, but 
The dude always knew where the play was going to go. He was smart. He'd shot the right gaps. He played instinctively. And it was all proof there on the film. He took him in the fifth round, and lo and behold, the dude was starting inside linebacker, you know, by week three and, and playing well. And I think that's more the Dave Gettleman Avenue. Yeah, can we also take one thing that I've seen a lot of in Twitter this week? The Everybody's looking for trying to read the tea leaves and everything about, you know, this is going to happen. I feel this is way this has happened before. Just because Dave Gettleman hasn't taken an offensive lineman with the first round ever in his drafts, that has nothing to do with this year coming up. Yeah. I mean, he, He's only, he doesn't have a resume of a GM for 30 years either. I mean, he hasn't been a GM that long. So he's taken what his team has needed in those times. Well, that's exactly it. It's just like, you know, have did Carolina need an offensive, a left tackle in any of the years he was drafting with his higher picks or not? So, you know, everything is not in its own, you know, uniform scenario. It happened for Carolina eight years ago for the Giants this year. Everything has its own set of circumstances. Has he ever traded down? No. Well, I did that project already. I looked through every year where it seemed like it would be a smart idea to trade down, and the only year I came away with was the year he took Barkley. And that's a fair argument if you want to have it. But don't act Mm -hmm. like he's had seven or eight opportunities and every time he's stayed put because it really didn't seem that way to me when I looked at it. When I hear people say that, and now this thing about you know he's never drafted a a lineman, so – Somebody said it once, and I guarantee that's somebody parroting all it is. I mean, there's there's no thought, there's no reasoning or thought behind that. It's just, hey, I heard this. You know, maybe some writer from the Daily News said it, or Francesa said it, or somebody. And you know, I'm going to seem smart, and I'm going to tell it to people. And it's just like, you know, think about why that happened. It's not because he's prejudiced against offensive tackles or anything. It's or, you know, he doesn't pick up the phone. Or he doesn't think outside the box like some idiot uh, comments I've heard before. It's just the, percent, the opportunity to present itself. And we don't know if someone's going to knock on his door with a fantastic trade offer. We don't know. We don't know if, if a fantastic trade offer is done ahead of him where somebody trades out and it changes what's available and stuff. So don't think you know what everybody else doesn't know. And don't think you know the guy who is drafting unless you are his, I don't know, his brother-in-law who you know, talks to you every night for three hours on the phone. Right. Um, it is possible that the Giants wind up in a scenario where Isaiah Simmons or, or, or Chase Young fall to them at four, and they're looking for tackle prospects at the right side later on. And um, there's a couple guys worth mentioning there. Um Austin Jackson from USC, I think he could be a left tackle. I think he's pretty good, but his technique is a little bit mixed, and it's really hard to see because USC is just so awful this year. Um, and it, it just offensively, you're just not good. Um, but I, I think he, he plays with some mixed technique, and I think that he could get better. If if that happens, he can be a left tackle you know, as a starting caliber. But if not... I think he would be a fine swing tackle. And that's just as important. You know, you're not going to take him in the first round, but maybe second, third. You know, a guy like that, I, I think, is is very valuable. That first guy off the bench. You know, maybe he's starting at right tackle for you, but he's not all-star caliber. 
you know, it, once we get into the second and third round, it gets a little murky, you know, especially with tackles where you want the elite guys. Sometimes you just get a starter, and he's just okay. And he's not the best guy in your line, even though you spent a high pick on him, but tackle was that position where the, the, the elite are up there, and then everybody else is just kind of starting quality. I think mm-hmm. he can be a starting quality swing tackle, left or right. Um, I think some people are bumping him up a little bit, and I'm not really sure what they're seeing that I'm not. You know, other than he's he's got the right body type, he's got some quick feet. Um, but I just think he's a little bit sloppy. He's a little bit all over the place. But again, so was the whole fucking offense he was in. So it's a little difficult to watch. Okay. Yeah. The main one for me that I really like is... And I think this guy can actually play left tackle if given some time because he declared very early. I didn't think he would. And that that um, that would be George's right tackle, Isaiah Wilson. Now, we've already talked about how their whole offensive line for, for years now has been good. But he, he left as a redshirt sophomore, I think. That's so correct. I You know, we kind of knew Andrew Thomas was going to come out this year. The idea then is that... Wilson's going to move to that left tackle spot, bump up his draft stock. He didn't do it this year, and it might be have something to do with Jake Fromm declaring this year or, or whatever. I don't know, but nevertheless, I was pretty surprised by that. I thought he would try and bump up his own draft stock, but he came out, and um, you know, I think he's right away a right tackle star. I mean, you, you look at the tape, and it's hard to find a whole lot of faults in his game, given how young he is. You know, there there's a lot of upside with him. And I think that had he played a full year at left tackle at Georgia, we'd be talking about him as, you know, first round caliber left tackle. So if you get him now buying low in the second round, you might be getting your left tackle the future and not even know it yet. So that that's a very special name that I, I think people should watch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why his name isn't being discussed more and more. Um... The main thing about this is that we normally go back and forth between draft and free agents and all of that stuff. Um, the free agent crop here, what we're talking about with starting caliber tackles, they're just not very good this year. And, you know, that happens. Um, the available ones with the Jack Conklin, you know, a lot of people were, were talking about the Giants should get him because he's 26 and he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a right tackle. Um, and, and it really depends on if Dave Gettleman's going to spend a whole bunch of money on a right tackle. But other than that, we're talking about guys coming off of injury, old or both. You know, Jason Peters, Cordy Glenn. I don't know if he's played a full season ever. Yeah, you can't complain when we did it two years ago that you want to do it again now. Yeah, I mean, getting guys that are on the close, you know, the wrong side to thirty who may have had some injury issues and are going to be expensive. Yeah. Again, yeah. you're 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 going to overspend for these, you know, rare sought after guys, and we don't want to fall into that trap. I mean, you're all bitching about it now. I mean, this is what a rebuild involves: doing it the right way. Yeah. Everything that's available right now is not something that you want to be spending a lot of money on, or that you even want as your starter, because they're not going to be part of this team for very long. I mean, DeMar Dotson is probably the one guy still out there that I would consider. I mean, and he's 34. So, I mean, we're mm-hmm. not talking about a super young guy either, but I mean, Mike Remmers was 30 years old, I think, when we signed him. Um, one year deal, and that's fine. You know, 
these one-year deal guys may be a thing that happens. I mean, Cam Fleming may be a thing that happens for only a little while. Who knows? But this isn't the answer, the free agency thing. It might just be a gap stop because the draft doesn't fall the way that you think it does. We were in more of a dire situation you know, last year. Yeah, two years ago last year than we are now. We we can be a little more choosy and be a little more strategic in who we're getting. We're not, you know, the offensive line wasn't good last year, but it wasn't, you know, frighteningly bad as it had been. So you don't have to overspend just to, you know, save the quarterback's life. We're not doing that this year. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think some of it was bailed out by Daniel Jones' rare, or I guess rare for Giants fans, uh, mobility. He's able to bail out some bad plays. But for the most part, I mean, uh, obtaining Zeitler and Mike Remmers held up his end on the right side was leagues better than what we saw at the beginning of the year in 2018. Or, yeah, 2018, where, you know, those first two games were unwatchable offensive line film. Mm-hmm. So, y- yeah, I-, I-, I think that now we're in a position to be a little bit more choosy. And it's a good time to be choosy because I've just listed some really good options in the draft for either the left or right side. So... You know, there, there, there's four or five guys, six guys that are worth considering, and they're not all going to make it in the first round, I don't think. So this will be interesting. I think this is really the spot that the Giants should laser focus on. We've already discussed what I would laser focus on over over edge rusher, especially if Chase Young is gone. You know, now we're talking about are we taking Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker slash safety-ish hybrid or the left tackle of the future, it's very difficult for me to say, you know, that it's going to be Simmons. It's it's not easy for me to say that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's too many variables we just don't know yet to really see. That's all I've got on left tackles, or tackles in general, I guess. Um, so stay tuned. You know, you guys got a bonus episode this week, so that's pretty awesome. Um Follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump where you can get a whole lot more insight and ask me any questions about any of the guys maybe I missed or why I ranked them the way I did. Feel free to reach out to me there. You catch me as always at the Cranky Fan where I'm spending a lot of time trying to give accurate information about how to deal with coronavirus and trying to shoot down bullshit as I see it, Um, you know. The first responders and the the, you know, the the nurses in the healthcare profession is doing the uh, the heroes' work. You know, Grumps uh, Grumps mom is one of those people who does that. So shout out to you if you're listening. Mm. Probably not, Probably but if not. you are. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, on every little thing you can do to help, I I feel like just trying to get the right information out to people and trying to when I see something that is not right, try to correct them without calling them out as jackasses. Is what I'm trying to do. So that I'm spending most of my time trying to do that. And, you know, obviously we're trying to talk about what we can talk about. A little, you know, Giants draft coming up, uh, when baseball is ever going to start. Uh, thank God we're talking about the Knicks. That's good. Um, but, you know, give me a follow at the Cranky Fan. And as always, follow the, the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, you know, wherever. It's there. Yeah, follow us on also uh, on Twitter at Just Giants Pod, and also uh, like us on Facebook on our Facebook page. We'll we'll uh, bump up the show on there as well. So um, let us know. Give us a follow. All right, everyone. 
Go Giants. Go Giants.